Hello, and thank you for listening to Texas History for Kids. I'm your host, Michelle Gallegos, an educator, writer, history nerd, and novice investigator. Each week on the show, we will learn about interesting parts of Texas history, from battles and historical figures to the odd and enchanted. Hi, guys. Welcome back to episode number eight, entitled Texas First Explorers. So have you ever been to a new place and wanted to explore everything about it? For example, I recently explored a river bottom near my house because we had quite a rainless summer and the waters had already receded. So receding actually means when the waters go down where water once was, it now just becomes a dried up creek bed. So while I was searching, I found some interesting artifacts. One of those artifacts I found was an old medicine bottle, and I actually found quite a few of them. And they were different colors, different shapes. Some were clear, some were dark brown, bronzy color. Um, Some even had substances still in them. And what I noticed about them was that they were a lot thicker than the medicine bottles that we use today. And actually, they were made of glass. Very rare that you find a medicine over-the-counter medicine that is made of glass. They're usually made of plastic. So I thought that was pretty interesting, added it to my collection. Some other things I found were oddly shaped rocks, one even shaped like Texas, pretty cool. I had to add that to my collection as well. Well, not my collection, my daughter's collection. She likes to collect different rocks, mostly colorful rocks. Um, I also found some old camping equipment Um, We found a lantern that was pretty much completely intact and it looked like it was pretty old. So we kept that. Even the glass wasn't broken on it. Um, Pretty interesting stuff with that. And I even found a coin from Mexico. So there you have it. You can explore your own backyard and find some interesting artifacts from long ago. But there was also a time in Texas history that brought on lots of explorers. People who wanted to know more about Texas land. People who wanted to conquer our Texas land. We're going to talk about three of those explorers today. Some of the first explorers in Texas. So in the 1500s, the country of Spain, which is located in the continent of Europe, was actually in search of what they called the New World. Spain is across the ocean from North America and Texas. They actually really did think there was a whole new world that needed to be explored, and they were right. The Spanish were searching for gold, land with lots of resources to build their strong nation on, and they really ultimately wanted to spread Catholicism, which is the religion for most people in Europe of those times. So let's go to the year 1519. The first known person that came to Texas was Alonso Alvarez de Pineda. We're going to call him Pineda for the rest of today. His job was to make a map of the Gulf Coast which is where cities like Corpus Christi, Galveston, or Padre Island are today. Have you ever wondered where maps came from? Like who created the maps we still use today? Well, we actually don't use a paper map anymore. We all use our phones as our mapping guides. But the earliest people who created the maps wasn't some guy named Google. You guessed it, Google Maps was not yet invented. But long ago, somebody a person called a cartographer actually had to walk the land and draw what they saw. 
thus making a map. In creating his map, he had to make sure that he had the right dimensions and he had to make sure that he was adding all the landforms to it. So Alonso Alvarez de Pineda, of course I said we would call him Pineda, but I said his whole name again. Anyway, Mr. Pineda was from Spain. His task was to take a group of 270 Spanish soldiers, which filled up four ships, to help him discover the coastline of uh, the Gulf of Mexico. A coastline is basically the part of land where the ocean starts and the beach ends. So, during his travels, he was hoping to find a waterway from Asia to the Gulf of Mexico. And Pineda started his exploration on the coast of Florida. His goal was to find a way, like I said, from the Gulf of Mexico to the Pacific Ocean. But unfortunately, he didn't anticipate strong winds and storms in the ocean and he ended up damaging his ships. Because of this, his boats were forced to turn east. He was also set to prove that Florida was an island on this trip. However, he was wrong and learned that Florida was actually connected to the rest of what is the United States today. And instead, he proved that Florida was not an island, which I think is still an accomplishment. So after an encounter with rival expeditionist Ednan Cortez, Pineda and his crew sailed up what he called a very large and fluent river, where he saw 40 villages with Native American people. According to a royal cedula, which is just basically an official paper from Spain, shortly after sailing up that large and affluent river, he sailed up another river that he named Las Palmas. There, he spent over 40 days repairing his ships from the ocean storms that he had encountered earlier. Thankfully, his ships actually lasted through both rivers. So historians believed that the Las Palmas River he named was most likely today's Rio Grande River. In 1520, just a year after Pineda began his journey, another ship was sent on a voyage to the same area. When that ship arrived, they found Pineda, his men, and his horses had all been killed by the American Indians of the area known as the Huastec. Now, not too much is known about his expedition, but we do know that Pineda was the first person to map the Texas coastline and the first person from Europe to actually make it to Texas. When his map of the Texas coastline was found, of course, they brought it back to Spain along with the other Spanish expeditionists, and it can still be seen today. And by the way, to our knowledge or to the historian's knowledge, He never actually found Asia, which is one of the reasons why he was out seeking his expedition as well. So now that we know who the first person in Texas was, let's go ahead and move on to the first person to travel across Texas, which brings us to our next expeditionist. His name was Alvar Nunez, also known as Cabeza de Vaca, and we learn about him in our Texas history classes. If you go to a Texas school, we learn about him. In 1528, Alvar Nunez, or Cabeza de Vaca, was sent to explore Texas. He also ended up discovering Florida along the way and was attacked by the American Indians in that area. However, those that survived the attack were left without food or shelter, and their ships were also damaged. Remember, this was long before the days of stores. So they didn't have a grocery store to go buy food at or or a sporting goods store to go purchase gear for their boats. 
So they were forced to fix things themselves or make their own food, right? So they survived by killing their horses to eat the meat. They also built new boats or repaired the ones that they had and even used their shirts as the sail for some of their boats. They made rope from horses' hair. And finally, after repairing all of their ships, they were able to escape dangerous Florida to sail up the coast. They knew there was more coastline because they were aware of Mr. Piñata's expedition. A month later in November, a huge storm caused the boats to separate from each other. Cabeza de Vaca and the men that were still alive washed ashore near Galveston Island. It was a cold and rainy day. A group of American Indians called Aranamas rescued them. Many of those that survived the storm were now dying of diseases. For four years, the crew struggled to survive life in Texas. In 1533, Cabeza de Vaca and his men were captured by the Caranqua Native American tribe, and they were forced to be slaves for two years. Eventually, Cabeza de Vaca had won their respect by trading with them and even became known as a healer. He and four other men continued to travel across Texas, and eight years later, they stumbled across a group of Spanish soldiers. They returned to Spain where Cabeza de Vaca wrote about his tales of Texas. Despite everything he had been through, he inspired other explorers to visit Texas. So here's a fun fact about Cabeza de Vaca. It's actually Spanish, meaning cow's head. It is believed to be a family name which his ancestors were given after helping the king's army win a battle using a cow's skull. The king rewarded him with the name Cabeza de Vaca to honor his family. Okay, friends, so that's already two European explorers that didn't have such good luck when they first found Texas. But guess what? There were others, many, many others, and we're going to talk about one more. We could probably go on and on for two or three different podcasts on all the different explorers that explored Texas, but we're going to focus on these three today. The third one we're going to talk about is Francisco Vasquez de Coronado. We're going to call him Coronado because he has a long name. And he was able to tra- he was actually able to travel across the Texas Panhandle. The Texas Panhandle is part of Texas that is the furthest north. So after the last two explorers, Francisco Vasquez de Coronado was actually in search of gold. The Spanish had already conquered or took over two very rich Indian nations, the Inca and the Aztec. And with that, in 1540... Coronado led 300 Spanish men and a thousand Native Americans with him, along with their horses, pigs, sheep, and cattle, into Texas in search of the seven cities of gold. So for two years, Francisco had searched through Arizona and Kansas, but only found American Indian villages. He wanted more. He wanted to find the gold and silver that he was promised. So the king of Spain was adamant and wanted to know more about the land. Before the expedition, the king also ordered the explorers to treat American Indians kindly. But Coronado's men were not so nice. Instead, they did not follow orders. They went about taking over the land, causing many Native Americans, such as the Zuni tribe, to flee from their own land. The explorers didn't find any gold. But Coronado and the team discovered the Grand Canyon. He is considered the first European to report this in his travels. So after taking over all of that area, his next voyage brought him to the Pecos River, which empties into the Rio Grande River. And they continued their search through what is now Texas, Oklahoma, and Kansas. 
During his trip back to Mexico, Coronado fought several attacks by the American Indian colonies along the way. Remember guys, this was a time when the American Indians were already living here and other people were coming on their land. They weren't sure what to think of it. So Coronado and his men encountered many attacks along the way. He and his men were the first to travel through the Texas Panhandle. He never found the cities of gold that were promised. He even blamed the American Indian guides that accompanied him along the way. Sadly, he later had them killed. Coronado returned to Mexico in 1542 in shame and was even considered a failure. He sent the king a message about Texas. In his message, he told Spain that Texas was good for agriculture and farming, but not much else. However, many historians believe that he paved the way for future explorers and left valuable information regarding the native people of the land, their culture, and how to encounter them. Well, today we talked about three important figures in Texas history that explored the lands and ultimately mapped out the state. They faced many challenges, but were persistent leaders in search of the new world. What I noticed about all of these men during their expeditions is that they all kept journals, and that's how we know what happened. If people during the early days of our nation did not write about their adventures, we may never know about our state's history. Some of it might be sad, but it's still important to know that our ancestors lived and not forget the important events that helped shape Texas. This week's question is, why do you think others still wanted to explore Texas, even after the Spanish had bad experiences? I'd like to hear from you. Don't forget to send me an email so I can feature it on an upcoming episode. michellegallegos.author at gmail.com Let me spell it out for you. M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-G-A-L-L-E-G-O-S dot A-U-T-H-O-R at gmail.com if you or your child has received valuable information, please share the show with other friends who might find it interesting. Since I don't run ads, sharing the show is the best way to get the podcast heard. And I appreciate all of you who have. Remember, yesterday is today's history. Don't forget to visit my website for all of the resources that accompany my podcast, michellegauthor.com. <laughs>